Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's going on, team? And welcome back to another Super Rugby Preview Show. This week, we're done with Aotearoa, and we're focusing solely on Super Rugby AU. So that means just two games coming your way this weekend for the next, well, hopefully it'll be about f- four, five weekends, I think, by the time they do playoffs and um, the uh, second and third playoff and then the final. So we've got a lot of rugby uh, still yet to come from over the other side of the ditch. And of course, we're bringing in the resident Australian expert who's, well, his country's fully in the limelight. Shane, how does it feel to be the only country now out of the two of us uh, who are bringing us the great Super Rugby competition. Ah, Steve, well, how are you, mate? Um, it's uh, one of the great things about rugby is finally Australia will uh, win a few games without uh, having to watch a, some New Zealand sides play. Um, that's just us and our banner. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these weekends game, actually, so... Bring it on and, and, and let's go out there and enjoy it. We had 10, 10 wonderful weeks of Super Rugby, Aotearoa. I thought um, it was magnificent. Even the last game, unfortunately, had to be played in front of an empty shed. But um, I just, to the players, to the coaches, to the coaching staff, to the admin staff, to everyone that got that um, underway and involved, Thank you for 10 great weeks of entertainment. Now, let us entertain you. It does Said turn Robbie the focus. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> turn the focus over uh, to Australia. The last, that last game was, was a funny one, wasn't it? No no crowd, uh, but a great game. A great spectacle to watch. Um, the two teams put on, um, yeah, a really good uh, afternoon of entertainment, which was really, really cool to see. Didn't affect competition at all, uh, but it was just out there exciting and, and fun to watch, which was a kind of a, a cool and fitting way, I think, to kind of wrap up the competition uh, as well with the Crusaders. Already champions. Um, sadly, though, we couldn't get that big Auckland-Canterbury rivalry to finish the season off. But alas, we go on, and before we look at the games, we'll, 
as we always do, take a look at the Superbrew leaderboard and, of course, who's going to win this fancy yellow cap this week. Of course, at the top of the table, though, there's only one man still there, and that is yours truly, still since the start of the competition, right up the top. Still got a nice, handy two-and-a-half-point lead as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident here, Shane. I've only got a few rounds to go. I've got a nice little buffer, a couple of games per weekend. If I just stay nice and consistent and take things not too risky, I think this could be a, a, a very monumental, to win for my Superbrew career, which has often till now been rather fleeting, let's be honest. Uh, and it's a big congrats, though, to a man not near the top of the table, but near the bottom, who has actually come away with the yellow cap uh, this week, Sam Fenwick, who has done very well. A uh, little minor round of applause there for him coming up with the best picks of the weekend. But it is myself at the top, so big sitting second, and Hardsea is seven who has rocketed up a number of places as well now into the top three. And a real killer for Nana. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Shane, he picked up the yellow cap and was right up there in the top two. He picked up the wooden spoon. It's not very often that one of the top players gets the wooden spoon, but his, um, his picks have gone through the toilet. And his chances of upsetting the top place has also gone down um, the cyclone of doom as well. Your picks, Shane, are they been ticking along quite nicely. How'd your last weekend of Super Rugby Aotearoa go and, and the continuation of AU? You're still right up there picking them? Well, I, I was hoping that the Hurricanes would get the job done. Ah, yes, of course. And, uh, but well down to the Highlanders. They played some really good rugby and they, you know, every time the, the Hurricanes made a blistering counter-attack, uh, I've got to say, the Highlanders did keep them out, and and they played some really good attacking rugby. Um, and of course, it was a very special day. We've got to congratulate Aaron Smith on 150 games and Ash Dixon on 100. Um, that's really special for both of them to to come out with a win on that on that day. Um, got the Reds um, with the, the mighty defensive Red Wall. Um, it's it's been called over the week. Um, so you'd expect to hopefully see a bit more this weekend. But, yeah, look, mixed mixed bag, I think, Steve. <laughs> mixed bag, but it doesn't matter. You, you got the main one. You picked your reads to do it. I picked your reads to do it as well. Um, well I was pretty chuffed to see there's that game wore on. I got more and more into it, I think you could probably say, as, as the result uh, wore down. Much like the Highlanders game, although I didn't. I was much like you. I picked your cap uh, of the Hurricanes to get that job done. So, um, didn't pick the boys to get the job done, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but yes, we, let's move forward, though. On to this weekend. We've got the two games uh, coming out of Super Rugby AU. We've got the Western Force, who are at home, if you can call it that, um, at the Seabus Super Stadium, taking on the Reds. Now, your boys, the Reds. And then we have the second game, which is the Brumbies at GIO Stadium, taking on the Waratahs. That's going to be an interesting contest. But first things first, let's crack into our opening matchup. Of course, there's no real home game anymore for the Western Forces there. It's, it's on the road continuously. They're like the Rebels. There is no home they have to front up on the road each and every week up against a, what was it, a contrasting Reds team. From the last two weeks, it's been chalk and cheese, two completely different teams in the way they've performed. But the Western Force, kicking them off first, how do they find a win? There's got to be a recipe for victory somewhere, doesn't there, in this season? Well, firstly, they're at the Gold Coast. The sun, surf, sand, um theme parks um but we'll have to leave it for the locals and 
when we get the, <laughs> the chance one day again to travel. Um, us, they've got to focus on the rugby. And I've got to say, what a what a great effort by the team up there at the Gold Coast at Super Seabus Super Stadium to have have rugby played there. And I think more rugby should be played there, Stephen. Um, first and foremost, but yep, absolutely. Um, this is home away from home, so the focus is, of course, they've got to turn up, they've got to play. Hopefully, you know, then there'll be um, quite a few, depending on the limits, um, Reds fans there in attendance, and, and we'll get a bit of we'll get a bit of the community rugby atmosphere going, and and hopefully. You know, the force have been turning up. They've been trying. They haven't got the results, but they've been trying. Um, so hopefully, we, this was actually my favourite derby in Super Rugby when when the force were fully entrenched in Super Rugby. So uh, I'm really going to be interested to see how this one goes, given the Reds spent a lot of energy defending last week. They got the, the bonus point win with the three tries. Um, so... So what game plan does Storm come out with this week? And maybe could could the force, with some of the handy players they got, exploit that? Indeed. Well, we'll take a look at their team for the Friday night clash. Of course, we've got to get used to this no Sunday game, which I'm rejoicing about because now I don't miss a match for work. I can watch all the games um, from AU, which is awesome. But... They've got a, a, a big name returning. Pete Cowan is back in the number one the jersey. Andrew Reddy is back in two. So a couple of big returnees to that front row. And they'll accompany Kieran Longbottom at uh, the um, third position or at the um, uh, tight head side. I'll get it out eventually of the front row. Jeremy Thrush and Ollie Atkins in the second row. Fergus Lee Warner is at six. And a new name again, Kane Koteka, will be on the open side. Bernard Stander, the flying winger, in number eight. Into the back line, Ian Pryor and Johnny Lance again in the halves. The midfield, I'm, I want to get your thoughts on how these two guys have been going. Uh, Shane, Richard Carhui and Kyle Godwin. Now, you, you've been expecting a lot of things from Godwin, so I'm keen on your thoughts on his performance now with Carhui inside him. Um, Byron Rolston's on the right wing. Uh, Brad, Brad Lacey on the left side. And Jake Strawn at fullback. It's an interesting midfield, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the Wallaby and the All Black coming together. They've made quite a combination, haven't they? They have, and I've seen Godwin's work rate pick up because of that. Richard Kahui, I think, has played well. That's a lot of experience there, um, having a Wallaby and an All Black in your centre combination. Gee, I wish, you know, we had the two littles, Walter and Jason, um, <laughs> then again, we had Tim Horan as well, so you could you could almost mix mix the three of them. You know, Horan could play fullback and at times as well for the Reds. So, gee, imagine if you had those three um, dynamic players on there. But we have to look at it. They've been a lot sharper with with the ball usage with with um, you know a Wallaby and an All Black. You know, um, in that centre pairing, um, I think I think it it's the right way forward. It's just perhaps that execution with the other backs. Uh, I would have started, and and I respect Ian Pryor hundred percent, but I I would have started with another Wallaby in Nick Frisby at, at nine personally. I would have kept McGregor at 15 because I think that he's got some explosive running in his game if he's given the chance. 
But um, I think all in all, at least they've got that centre pairing um, and, and that midfield, that work in the midfield right. Of course, they've got that experience as well, um, that very experienced lock, another all-black in Jeremy Thrush there. Um, Peck Cowan's going to be a, a really important leading those that front row. So um, Reddy also, a former Reds, pretty experienced, super rugby level. And Bernard Stander, who's I think has been one of the um, unsung heroes, actually, of, of this competition. He's playing really well. Oh, definitely. I think he's been, um, yeah, a, a real standout throughout this competition, hasn't he, for them? So we're looking over at the Reds team, and there's some oh, good talk about some selections in this one as well. We look through this starting 15. The man with the tongue twister of a name, Jack Stracker, starting at loose head. Brendan Payangomosa is at hooker. Taliana Tupo on the tight head side. Angus Blythe and Lucan Salakai Loto in the second row. The most brilliant back row partnership I find in Australian rugby at the moment. Liam Wright, Fraser McWright and Harry Wilson. Outstanding combination there at 6, 7 and 8. Tate McDonald's back again at number 9. You can't leave him out of the starting team for the Reds. He is dynamic and electric and just sparks his whole back line. James O'Connor's in the halves of him in 10 again. The midfield, Hamish Stewart and Josh Fluke. He comes into the side for the injured Hunter Paisami who... Did look pretty badly injured last weekend in the, the matchup against the Rebels. Jordan Pataz on the right wing. Filippo Dalgunu on the left. And Jock Campbell at fullback. Uh, Shane, your boys, the Reds, just looks pretty much, you would almost say, the best team that they could put together on the field, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Paisami, so um, I'm really obviously disappointed that he's out injured this week um, because he's... He's just a big rolling on 13, and, and I really enjoy watching him play. He's had a good season, and and hopefully it's not the last we see of him this season, and hopefully one day he'll be wearing a wallaby jumper as well. Um, and that's that's my hope for the young fella. Um, Pattaya, it's great to see him back. Um, I know that he's had, um, sadly, with, with the passing of his dad, but he's, he's come back. Um, strongly within the Reds unit, within that Reds family. that and, and that's something that Brad Thorne does really well. He brings the young blokes together and particularly he helps them out and, and I think has made this team a better team because he's not afraid to try people that, that deserve a, a chance. And, and, and so, certainly some of the, the decisions he's made particularly a couple of years ago, omitting Cooper and, and, and so forth, were controversial. But ultimately, those decisions had to be made to to get the team that he wanted. And I think he's got close to the team that he wants now. And it's performing pretty well, mm. but not consistently enough. What happened between two weeks ago and last week, that the team went from a side that was desperately woeful and, and clueless and... It seemed to be just not even at the game mentally, physically, or any sort of way whatsoever to a team that just threw everything on the line against the Rebels last weekend. One week made such a massive difference from looking like the worst team in the competition that the Force would put 50 points on to a team that you'd say, if they play like this again, they'll challenge everyone in this league. They could be the top side if they can play it this week in and week out. What happened in that week? 
Well, I think they probably had a barbecue after training. And, <laughs> um, you know, they'd, um, they'd probably sat under the gum tree with the koala logo and um, with the with the real koalas. And, you know, they obviously listened to the the head koalas out there on the tree and and they probably um, gave them a life lesson or two. If we've got to do it tough, so do you. Um, I don't I don't know, mate. I think there was just probably a I think as much as the, the Reds defensive effort was really, really good, it was also a very poor effort by the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, that side, um, and and we'll talk about it next week when when the Rebels are back in action, but that side is, is so frustrating at times. It's like the Reds from a few years ago, you know, with all the potential they have. So it was, I guess, you know, and, and despite we've talked about the crowd capacity, there's nothing better than being in front of at least four or five thousand Queenslanders, um, and when they're when they're behind you, you feel like there's ten or twenty thousand in the stadium shouting out Queenslander, Queenslander, Queenslander. Queensland is a part of the Australian spirit. Um, it has been in rugby and, and in league and cricket and all all parts of Australian life. And you know, when you when you're down. You rely on a Queenslander. When you need character, yeah, you get a Queenslander in there. And uh, that'll toughen you up quick, smart. And that's what the Queenslanders did against the Rebels. They, they hung in there and they got the job done. And they got a bonus point at the end too. Love it. I can't argue with that whatsoever. Can't, no, can't deny it. I 100% grab you. To me, this Reds team is at least the second best team in this conference. I've said that since the start. Um, I don't have that faith in the Rebels that they are a consistent side that under pressure can perform. I think this Reds team has the ability to really knuckle down and not only get better in years and years to come, they're such a young, exciting team, but they have that X factor now. They have that ability. They have the guidance of the right sort of guys. They've got leadership where they need it. They've got experience where they need it. And I think as this year goes by, they are a team that's just going to get better and better. That one week, two weeks ago against the Waratahs, that, that just completely threw me out. The team was the worst they've looked all season. I just hope we don't see that again from them uh, this season if they're going to continue on to be successful. But really, as a result, this game, Western Force, you'd love to see them win it. You'd love to see them do well. You'd love to see something happen. But I think the Reds are all over this result, aren't they? Yeah, I'm still going to go the Reds by a small margin of seven. Um, I think it, I I don't know why. I always think that the Reds and 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 um, the Force, when they come together, they usually put on a good game of Australian rugby. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to go for the Reds, but I, I think I think the Force will turn up again. So there's a cool little stat that I read about this game that I was going to quiz you on. That I nearly forgot about it. You just remind me. That uh, the the, uh, the Western Force have actually beaten the Reds um, for the most times out of the last ten matchups, so they're actually on a winning percentage against the Reds in their last ten meetings. 
how does that affect your confidence? Does that is that going to play into this for your Reds, or is is that a time gone by now that um you know rugby's a different game? Look, I can remember twenty seventeen, Steve. Um, the Reds started off with the win against the Sharks, and um, then they went on a Thursday night, um, and it was a late Thursday night because Western Australia's two hours behind the rest of us and four hours behind New Zealand. Um, they went to, to Perth on a Thursday night um, to play the force, and and it was a really, actually really good game of rugby. The, the Reds led by seven. Um, the force scored two tries in the last probably 25 minutes um, and came away with the win. And then... Um, and mind you, the Reds had signed Stephen Moore and a, and a host of George Smith and a host of other players that season, um, as well as, you know, the leftovers. And Quade Cooper came back and and the leftovers from 2011 squad. So it was still a reasonably good squad. They went to Brisbane um, later in the season. The Reds got it back to 26 all. The force kicked away again, uh, 40 to 26. Um Round two, 2016, in Brisbane, the force kept the discipline, um, won 22 to six. Um, the Reds looked shot despite having the better side. So the force know how to win these games. Um, they led 14 nil in, in, in the, you know, only a few weeks ago. It was just some, some you know, O'Connor really you know, who, who I think's matured into that 10 role mm-hmm. and, and others started to get a bit of a role on. So with the Western Force, you never rule them out of this derby, ever. And very much indeed. I do agree uh, with the results. I'm going, I'm going to be a bit more expansive, though. I'm thinking the Reds by 13. Unlucky for some, uh, but lucky enough for the Reds, I think we'll get this victory uh, nice and comfortably. We will move on. Game two, we move over to Canberra, GIO Stadium, where the Brumbies do face the Waratahs. Now, just tell me, I, I normally talk about the, the home team first here, but what's going on with the Waratahs? How does this team find any sort of consistency at all? Because they have been hot and cold and all over the place in the last few rounds. It's like they looked really good against the Reds. And then, then next week they looked terrible. The week before that they were terrible. How do they find consistency from such an experience and, I guess, Australian standards, quite a star-studded side? That's, that's the Waratah since 1996, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've, they've really only had a couple of good years. Um, you know, look, they're certainly a star-studded side. Um Depends on what star you book your motel with, I suppose. But um, you know, look, I'm looking at the side here. It's still a very good side. There, there, Ned Hadigan. We celebrate achievement. Congratulations, fifty caps this weekend. Um, you know, so he'll he'll be looking for his teammates to really step up with him um, and, and put on a big performance. But you know, I think. You know, they've played their best rugby in the last couple of weeks, um, which is which has been really positive to watch. But again, 
there comes a time when you ask yourself about the execution in their gameplay. You know, 25 phases against the Western Force last week on the stroke of half time, and they didn't score. They didn't score. So there's still that um, that mindset, what do we do here and how do we execute that play? But they're playing uh, certainly a lot better. They, You know, they're certainly getting the results. Um, you know, they thrashed the Reds. Um, you know, they they were comfortable enough against the force and, and you know, this one, and they were very good against the Brumbies. They led 20 to 5. Mm. Um, it was just that the Brumbies had enough experience to obviously pull that out of the fire. Um, and I've seen a lot of the, the Brumbies do that over the years too. <laughs> you think the Brumbies are down, they're never down. They're like the Crusaders. They'll come back. Um, so, look, all in all, I, you know, all in all, you just want to see another cracking game between two very bitter rivals. This this goes back in history in, in Australian rugby. The, the Brumbies were known as the New South Wales rejects and the Waratahs were known as the, the elitists. And, you know, this is blue-collar versus white-collar, the blue-collar boys obviously being the Brumbies, the white-collar boys being the Waratahs. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think you mess with the Brumbies in Canberra. And, um, and the crowd, which is capped at about 1,500, I think, for GIO at the moment, they'll make the noise of about twelve or 20,000 people. They, um, they'll get right behind those Brumbies boys. And, uh, you know, the Brumbies, they'll certainly be up for this one. This is their derby. Yeah, and this is a, a long way towards cementing that top spot at the table, isn't it, as well? In fact, I mean, they've, they've got an interesting um, selection in this team. We'll go through it, uh, starting with the front row, as always. Uh, it's James Slipper, um, Connell McInerney, and Alan Alaratoa, the front row. Murray Douglas, Caden Neville in the second. Lachlan McCaffrey, Will Miller, and Pete Samu round out the pack. Ryan Lonigan starts at nine alongside Bailey Kunzel who's been very, very impressive, but again, another new uh, nine inside him at the Brumbies. Uh, Simone and Cutter are midfield, so interesting to see Solomon and Cutter in the 13 jumper for the Brumbies. Tom Wright, the left wing, Andy Muirhead on the right, and um, Tom Banks at fullback. What do you make of those, you know, especially in the back line, I think, interesting selections. Not saying they're bad, but uh, really, Solomon and Cutter could do some damage in midfield, couldn't he? Yeah, he's a big fella, and, mm. and I like watching him play. I, he, he likes to push things out of the road, and <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he pushes a few Waratahs out of the road. Um, it, you know, but here's his chance to, to prove himself um, in the midfield and, and playing amongst the traffic of, of, of the Waratahs' defence. So, yeah, I think um, what Dan McKellar, the Brumbies coach and the coaching staff in, in Canberra are doing here is really testing that depth to mm. see just how good they are. And I know they're bloody good, um, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, look, I'm, I'm still expecting the Brumbies to win this. Um, and I think it's, it's, not, it's not just 
the side that they always put on paper. And Nick White's back, by the way, on the bench, which is great mm-hmm. to see him back in Super Rugby. Um, you know, the it's going to be that, and and as we've talked about, we know the capacities have to be cut back for the circumstances, but that crowd will make a lot of noise and they will get behind the Brumbies and that's one of the things that helps those that side really lift and and that side lifts against the Waratahs. It always does. It always will. Um, and, um, you know, I think that'll probably push them over the line again this weekend. Yes, so you mentioned the bench too. I was going to go to that next. It's uh, 6-2 split as well. So they've gone just the two... Uh, back line players uh, in the team. So obviously we know what the Brumbies do. They love their forward play and you probably can expect they'll be going uh, quite heavily for that this weekend as well against the Waratahs who, well, we've talked a little bit about Solomon Ikata, what he's going to be doing in that 13 jumper up against him for the Waratahs. Uh, Joey Walton is going to be wearing that 13 jumper. So Big responsibility on his boots. The team around him, though, uh, Tom Robinson, Tom Horton, and Harry Johnson-Holmes is their front row. Ned Hannigan and Rob Simmons in the middle of the pack with Lachlan Swinton, Michael Hooper, and Jack Dempsey to complete the Ford pack. Jake Gordon is back in number nine again with Will Harrison, his 10. The midfielder we talked about, Carmichael Hunt and Joey Walton. Alex Newsom on the left wing, James Ram on the right, and Jack Maddox at fullback. Yeah, for me, it's that midfield. That's where this game, I think, is going to be quite well decided how way they can defend that channel. Uh, but as always with these two sides, the back row, the pack, um, how well the Waratahs mainly, I think, can contain and, and defensively look after the Brumbies and not just give them you know, penalties. It's going to be massive if they can, can maintain those penalties, keep them low, and defensively hold out that back line, which is going to outpower them. That's how, that's how they're going to get a chance in this game, isn't it? So they're, they're not going to do it by... If they give away all the penalties, uh, they don't defend that midfield well, they're just going to get run over, aren't they? Mm. They've got a 5-3 split on the bench, three backs, five forwards. Um, so they're expecting, that obviously, the Brumbies are going to run and the Waratahs are going to have to run um, a marathon um, to stop them. Um I don't think it'll be quite the Boston Marathon, but they th- they'll probably think they're in that. Um, now, knowing the Brumbies, who, who like to to use the ball more, the Brumbies, you know, when they get penalties in the midfield, they are not going to go for three. They are going to go to the sideline and they're going to maul or crash ball their way over with the the big centres. So that that's typical Brumbies. So you know, they're just the Waratahs are going to have to hold their discipline, but they're also going to have to play the way they've played the last couple of weeks. Australian rugby, when it is played well by sides, is is, is the way if you counter-attack and you punch through the line with your phase plays, that is the way Australian rugby has always been played. And if they play like they had have done in the last couple of weeks, then there'll be a chance of being quite competitive. But if you make one mistake against the Brumbies, watch out because those whole, the horse will have bolted. Aptly, aptly put for the horse bolting through the Brumbies. I, personally, 
I see this one being you know the home team all the way. I, I don't see the consistency in, in the Waratahs. They can play really, really well. I think they could match the Brumbies if they play at their best, if they play that peak, if they play that good game. This could be a close one. It could be tight. It could be exciting to watch. If anyone's going to drop their performance, I think it's going to be the Waratahs, and then it could get ugly. I'm not going to predict that it will go that way. I think the Waratahs, like you said, it's a pretty big game for these two sides. They they, they like to beat each other. They live for each other. So I expect it should be a decent little matchup. We've seen earlier in the season the Waratahs did get up there and uh, match the Brumbies for a good portion of that match as well. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be fairly, fairly close. But how big of a margin are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go the Brumbies by five. I still think it's going to be a good game of Australian rugby. Yep, I've gone very, very similar, actually. I, I think it'll be less than a try. I've gone one more point than you. Brumbies by six uh, to top all the Waratahs. But yeah. Hopefully, you know, we, we don't we don't have those Super Rugby LTL matches to look to um to fall back on now for our exciting rugby weekend. So it's all up to Australia to provide the excitement um of rugby this weekend. And that's pretty much our, our two matches that we've we've got this weekend. We've gone off them, you know, like always. We've extended out. There's only two matches, so we don't have to make half the episode. No, we make double the conversation about the matches, don't we, Shane? So we get all in depth about these games. But before we do wrap up and say goodbye, we were chatting before we started recording about the future of what Super Rugby will be. And I'm sure if you're watching this here on, on my channel, if you're watching on New Zealand Sports Radio or wherever it may be, um, there will be conversation on this in future, probably more in depth um, than you'll get from us here on just the, the preview show. But um, what do you think is going to happen uh, before we wrap up, Shane? 2021 Super Rugby in the future, 2022. Uh, how do you see things are going to go down? Well, it's an interesting question, Stephen, because th there will be so many different formats that that fans, um, you know, and and you and I and, and Paul and, and Stephen Harris and, and others, we, we love our rugby and we, we're huge fans and we want to see the best competitive formats out there. Um you know, the, I don't know how it'll go, but there the, there was a suggestion made a couple of weeks ago that's only intensified the debate, by the way, that maybe we have something simple, simple like Super Rugby Aotearoa, Super Rugby South Africa, Super Rugby AU. Um, we start off with a domestic competition, then we... Um, that that's option one. Then then we go to say a Super Eight competition over a few weeks, where the top two sides in Australia, top two in South Africa, top two in New Zealand, top two in Japan, um, um, meet for a, a, a tournament. Then then obviously Australia would perhaps have a, a national club competition plus the rugby championship. That's option one. Now my preferred model and this is just my preferred model, is that we have the five Australian sides. We have um, Fiji and Samoa. We have the Sunwolves. We have an eight-team competition. They play each other twice. Um, so there's 14 rounds there. Um, and um, obviously, maybe with Super Rugby, Aotearoa, you know, they have something similar where they play each other three times um, and, and have 
and you know with a final series that's about 13 14 rounds so um and then then we have you know our mid-year test rugby championships and and so forth personally i don't know where we're going um i don't the south african sides um clearly are looking more towards europe mm-hmm. um and that's just a fact do do we go to trans tasman we still don't know with with what restrictions are out there and when it'll be clear enough for more international um travel so that's that's the first thing will we still be playing in bubbles until you know the middle of 2021 or will you know things be clear enough that we can have or do we start the season a little bit later in say march or april if, if things do clear down which will allow us 14 round competitions then then obviously we move into international so um it's a these are huge conversations and, and we're only going to debate this and debate this until um, broadcasters and and um, you know New Zealand Rugby Union, South African Rugby Union, um, obviously Rugby AU come together with different models that they can sell to broadcasters. Because the most important thing is selling games to broadcasters. Um, and I'm, I'm rambling on, sorry, Stephen, but um, when when I look at the conversation on say Facebook. And, and Twitter. Um, a lot of fans have turned off Super Rugby because of the time zones. Mm-hmm. They're not... And, and I don't mind watching the South African games at all because I, I I enjoy the quality of their derbies. But people won't watch after a certain time period where if it's in the Asia-Pacific market, the time periods are about right for rugby fans. So... Um, that's the clear conversation. It's about selling a product that's going to work for broadcasters and fans alike. So they can sit down, they can have their dinner, um, you know, they can get the family together, the kangaroos, the emus, you know, my cat, whatever, and, and, and sit back and enjoy rugby the way we want to enjoy rugby. So, so yeah, what do you think, Steve? It's going to be a very interesting one. I think it's far too early, like you say, to speculate, I think, because who knows? Next year, anything could possibly be happening. But I think there's two things, mainly, that is going to dictate this. Money, like you just fleetingly mentioned at the end there, that's going to be the biggest driver of all. Uh, but secondly, I think in terms of the whole Sanzar side of things, it's going to be what South Africa want to do. And if there's ever a time for South Africa to do what they want to do, which if that is move to the Northern Hemisphere European game, now's when it, it's got to happen now. now. Because now is when it's all broken. Now is when it's all being restructured. Now is the time to go, okay, we're done. They're not going to probably cause as much of a an upset with the whole rhythm of things if they did it once the new competitions were set up. Um, where, where they go, what they do, that's going to determine a lot. But I do find it interesting that you talked about at the start there, you're saying how Australia want to have that Pacific Island team involved in the Australian competition. And when New Zealand's talking about having a Pacific Island team involved in their competition, if they do stay to a separate competition, after all this time, everyone goes, you know, we need to get the Pacific Islands involved. And then all the unions are like, no, 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 no. There's no money, no, you know, excuses after excuses. 
And now it's like we're going to be fighting over them. Do you want to join Australia? Do you want to join New Zealand competition? Um, it's feast or famine. It really is backwards and all over the show. Uh, it shouldn't really matter. The, the, the islands need to be involved one way or another, I think. South Africa's the big turning point. If, if they jump ship, which would make sense for them, I guess, in the overall, like you say, time zones, things like that, they go. Then the Pacific Islands come in. Japan comes back into it again. You're right, time zones, TV viewership, marketing, um, television money, that'll make sense a little bit more, but I think there's still so much more that has to happen. That it's, it's really too early. And um, all the unions are... Well, they're all looking after themselves more than actually trying to find a solution for this. Everyone's trying to find what works best for them as opposed to what works best for the game or, or for every union globally um, in world rugby. So, a bit of a shambles, but we'll see what happens, I think, over the next six months or so. We might have something, you know, for early next year. Hopefully, hopefully, like you say, we can have some travel and have some exciting bits and pieces like that happening yet again. And we can go away, go far away overseas and, and do exciting things again. That would be glorious uh, to have happen. But yeah, it's an interesting topic. And I'm sure um, Paul and the guys on New Zealand Sports Radio will be discussing that more as the year unfolds. And as we learn bits and pieces more, because we've seen New Zealand rugby come out and say, we're doing this. And Australia saying, we want to do this. Um, and yeah, what the uh, South Africans do as well. So... A lot of water to go under that bridge, I do think, um, in the coming weeks, which I mean, if something happens, uh, we've always got time after the Australian two matches to talk about it, which is cool um, as well. But for this week, just before the opening matchup um, for Friday night gets up underway, um, we'll wrap up, Shane. It's, it's been a pleasure once again. Anything you want to add uh, to wrap us up uh, tonight? No, stay strong. Um, New Zealand and Australia will get past this. As I've always said uh, for the last few weeks, hang in there. We'll be right. The players, they're not that far away from getting getting the games underway and, and entertaining us and giving us some some diversions from the travel of the world. So bring on the rugby. Um, I know I've got um, plenty of curry ready to, to, <laughs> to get stuck into. So um, I'm excited, mate. Rugby, rugby time. Oh, very good. Curry and rugby, that's the recipe of the day. Uh, big thanks for everyone for tuning in and watching. Of course, big thanks to Shane for coming on, having his thoughts again. If you are watching on New Zealand Sports Radio, don't forget to share it with everyone um, that you know that may be interested in the shows that we have running here on the channel every single day. So if you want a sports fix, uh, this is your place. Of course, if you're watching on my channel, uh, thanks for coming by. Uh, if you did enjoy it, do hit that thumbs up, of course, as per always. And we will see you all next time for another couple of Super Rugby AU matches. Until then, thanks for watching, thanks to Shane, thanks to all of you out there, and take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.